Look at verse number 1 with me. The Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, uh, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire, the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. I'm going to bring a challenge to us this evening entitled this, Taming the Tongue. Taming the Tongue. That old tongue gets us in trouble. That old tongue creates a lot of problems for us. Someone said that the tongue has no bones, but is very good at breaking hearts. And uh, we want to make sure we focus in on this tonight. And leave challenged to behave ourselves when it comes to our speech. Let's pray. Lord, tonight as we take just a few minutes and look at the, the, the truths that your half-brother James laid out uh, for the church of Jerusalem there, may we be encouraged by them. And Lord, may we be admonished. And Lord, may we have some corrective measures where needed. And Lord, help us to be careful with our tongues. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well... Um, it's amazing to me how that you can spend a lifetime building up a reputation and uh, having that uh, good name that you want people to think of you, whether it's at work or at church or at home, with your family, and how that in just one really, really ugly moment, a whole lot of what you've spent a lifetime doing can be undone in just a matter of one bad conversation. I've seen homes where Mom and dad spend 25 years loving on uh, a child, and then that child turns into an adult, and there's some sharp disagreements, and then mom or dad say some things to the child, or the child says some things to mom and dad that greatly hurt and cut. The next thing you know, those children and that, those parent, that child and those parents won't speak to each other for, for sometimes decades, all because our tongue can get us in trouble. Uh, I've seen tongues slice spouses apart, and tongues slice children apart, and tongues that have divided and hurt uh, best friends. And the tongue could get us in a lot of trouble, while the tongue can also do us a lot of good. The Bible tells us that um, a word fitly spoken, in the book of Proverbs, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. You ever had a bad day? or a bad week, or a bad year, and somebody came along and said something to you that was like, you know, aloe on a womb, or it just, it was that healing balm that you needed, and the right word at the right time can really, really help. And um, God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, through the pen of Paul, he tells us, tells us in verse 29 that we're not to let any corrupt Communication proceed out of our mouths, but, or as a contrast, that which is edifying, that which is graceful, that it may minister unto the hearers. And so we want to edify 
or to build up. We're sitting inside of an edifice. An edifice, and an edifice is something that is constructed with time. And an edifice or a building provides protection and safety. I'm so thankful that we can come in here on a church during a church service and we can be in here no matter how cold or hot it is outside. It's about the same temperature in here week after week as long as the climate control systems don't fail. And that edifice was constructed and it provides protection. And your tongue is to edify. It's to build up. It's not to tear down. And so tonight I want to give you just three simple thoughts about the tongue and uh, have us go through James chapter 3 as we do. Notice number one, the principle of the passage. The principle of the passage. Look at verse number 1 of James chapter number 3. The Bible says, My brethren, notice here, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word... The same is a mature man, or the Bible word here is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The principle of the passage is this. If you can control your tongue, there isn't anything about you you cannot control. If you can get your tongue under control, the Bible labels you as perfect. It's perfect. Now, we see that word perfect throughout the New Testament. And uh, when I was a young man in church, I would think that word perfect meant sinless. And that's not what that word means. It never means sinless. The Bible tells us that Job was perfect. It doesn't mean he was sinless. In fact, you read through the rest of Job and you can see that at some point he began to question God. But what we do know is that Job was mature. He was mature. I've used this illustration before, so uh, uh, indulge me here for a minute. But if I were to put someone at... Um, uh, at a starting line and I were to shoot a gun in the air as a, as a start and I wanted them to run 100 meters in 10 seconds. If they got to the 20 meter mark and I looked at my stopwatch and saw 2.0, I would say perfect. And then the 30 meter mark at 3 seconds, perfect. 40 and 4, perfect. That doesn't mean he's sinless. That means he's where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. And in the Christian life, if you are where you're supposed to be, you're maturing, you're growing, uh, you're where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, that means that you are perfect. Now, that in mind, look back at verse 2. The Bible says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same man is a mature man, a perfect man, and able also uh, to bridle uh, the whole body. And I don't know about you, but if I could get control over every struggle in my life, that would be a happy day. That'd be a happy day. Amen? And so to be able to control the tongue, boy, that, that is the toughest one. And what James is saying here is if you can get that one down, the rest of them are easy. The rest of them are easier. And so uh, the principle of this passage is to show us how difficult it is to tackle this uh, and also to show us the importance of tackling this. All right, so number one, we see the principle of the pa uh, passage. Number two, notice the parallels of the passage. Now, uh, James is going to lay out some illustrations for us and show us the parallels of the passage. Letter A, we see the ships, the ships. And notice the word destiny, destiny. Look at verse number four with me. The Bible says, Behold also the ships, which though they be great and are driven of fierce winds, Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever 
the governor listeth. And so you get the idea here. You have this ship, this large boat, and it's going through the ocean, and there's this little helm that in proportion is what? One one-hundredth, one-fiftieth maybe of the size of the ship. And as that is turned, that can steer or decide the destiny of the entire boat. And the same is true with our tongue. It's a small muscle. Again, contains no bones, but uh, what we say can determine the destiny of our lives. Not only that, but it can determine the destiny of our marriages, of the future of our children. It can determine the destiny of our employment, whether we get a raise or we get fired. Uh, It goes a long ways in determining things. And oftentimes we want to point at other factors for how we got where we are in life. But if we're honest with ourselves tonight, our tongue has a whole lot to do with where we are in life and where we are going in life. Be careful with what you say, because what you say may end up collectively or will end up collectively deciding where you end up in life relationally and materially. And so the parallels of the passage, we see the ships in the word destiny. Notice letter B, a fire in the word destruction. Look down at verse number 5. The Bible says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a a matter, a little fire kindleth. Go ahead and look look with me at verse 6 here. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature as it is set on fire of hell. You've heard someone use the phrase of saying something that is incendiary, incendiary. And uh, when we speak often, we speak much, the more we speak, the more chances we have to say something that is offensive or incendiary. When we start fires, sometimes those little brush fires are easy to put out. But you let a brush fire go for any length of time, and what can happen is it can burn down a forest. How many of you saw the news report? I think it was last summer where out in California they had a gender reveal party, and they shot a balloon to reveal And the uh, shot ended up starting a fire that burnt down acres. I mean, thousands and thousands of acres of woods and ruined people's homes. And I think some people even died. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody here see that story? And what happened? Uh, A little fire burned down acres and acres of forest. You ever said something and wished you could reach out and grab it and put it right back in your mouth? Can we all relate tonight? We all know what that's like. We've all said things that we regret uh, when I was a teenager, I was sitting in a youth choir practice. I was new to this church youth group. Another young man in that youth group named Matt. Matt was the spiritual leader before I arrived. I was not trying to wrestle that position away from him. I just was, I came in, and I was myself. And uh, there was a competition between Matt and me. I didn't want it, but he was forcing it. And uh, one day, we were sitting in youth choir practice, and he was off-key, And I probably was too, but I could hear him. I couldn't hear me. And I cracked a joke about how he was singing. And my joke cut deep. And it was sharp. And it hurt him. And I regretted it. And I spent the next several years trying to repair the damage to him that I did with that one little comment. The words were no further out of my mouth uh, than this last sentence. And I was trying to put it back in. But it was too late. I had cut. I had destroyed I had hurt. I see a lot of children grow up and 
they rebel from mom and dad. I see a lot of spouses who have uh, a cold heart toward their, their spouse, their husband or wife, because they're afraid to get close because a fire has burnt down the intimacy of a home. And uh, we have to be careful. Uh, I've seen people in churches who let their tongue get going and their tongue can tear down relationships in a church or even split a church. Boy, we have to be careful. The parallel of the passage letter C, we see the parallel or the illustration of poison and we see the word danger. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. How many relationships have been poisoned? How many uh, people have been poisoned because their language is... Uh, so awful. The Bible tells us that evil communications corrupt good manners. And be careful what you say. Be careful about the jokes that you crack. You say, oh, well, I'm just talking to a really close friend and I can say whatever I want. No, you must be careful. Uh, you must be careful with how you throw the Lord's name around. You must be careful about the language that you choose. The other day, my children were asking me what makes a curse word a curse word, and I took them again to Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupt communications. Uh, and so, categorically, if it's corrupt or condemning, we should not be saying it. So we see here that uh, our speech can be poisoned. Letter D, we see uh, our, uh, that it can be a fountain. And notice the word deception. Look down at verse number 10. The Bible says, "Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing." My brethren. These things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Um, have you ever had someone speak really kind to you, about you, to your face, only to find out that they were slandering you and belittling you behind your back? You know what that feels like? To have someone, listen, if you don't like me and you tell me to my face you don't like me and then you're talking about me by my back, that you don't like me. At least I was warned, right? Uh, that hurts a little less than if you're pouring compliments on me and then I turn around and find out that you're saying the opposite when I'm not around. And it's not about me. It's about any of us. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. And so a fountain, a fountain cannot put forth both sweet water and bitter water. That water is either poisoned or it's not. And uh, listen, if you're spewing poison about someone, you're spewing contamination about someone, chances are it's not them that's the problem, it's you. It's you. A mature Christian knows how to zip the lip and deal with it one-on-one. -on -one. You have a problem with someone, the Bible tells us in Matthew 18, you go to the person and you work through it, or you don't say anything at all. The last thing we should be doing is running around and acting like we're a great Christian and then in reverse... Uh, or rather, uh, when no one's around or when we're around a different crowd of people, boy, we're spewing out things that aren't good. So we see the parallels of the passage. We see, number one, the principle of the passage. Number two, the parallels. Notice, number three, the practicality of the passage. The practicality of the passage. Look back at verse number three. We see letter A, control. Control. Look at uh, verse number three. The Bible says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Um, does a Christian have freedom of speech? It's a great question, isn't it? We know from the First Amendment of our Constitution that we are granted the right of freedom of expression. So as an American citizen, we have freedom of speech. But 
as cross-bearers to Christ, do we have freedom of speech? No. We don't. There are things that should just should not be said by a Christian. The very first commandment of the ten tells us not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain, or rather one of the first commandments do. And so we're to limit what we say. We're told not to gossip and slander and belittle. There are guards and limits. And you know what? You put a you put a bit in a horse's mouth and you can turn that horse, that big powerful animal, by just a little tug on a rein. And listen, I want the Spirit of God to have such control over my tongue that when he pulls a little bit on the inside of me, it causes me to just stop right in the middle of a conversation or steer that conversation to the left or the right or to continue to move forward because God's Spirit has a bridle in my mouth and can control my tongue. Can I tell you that I'm not there right now? I want to be. Can I tell you that when somebody does something that really aggravates me, sometimes my tongue is out of control. I can do better with that. How many say I can do better with that, Pastor? We all can do better with that, can't we? And uh, here we see the practicality of the passage is that our tongue should be under control. Notice letter B quickly, the word correct. Correct. Look down at verse number 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings, blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Well, what do I mean by correct here? It should just be blessings that come pouring out of our mouth. That is correct. That is correct. Um, you say, well, pastor, if I need to say something negative, but it's true, is it okay to say it? And I would say to you, that, that all depends. That depends on your motive. You know, there's nothing wrong with critiquing, but there is something wrong with the critical spirit. You understand the difference? It's okay to critique. It's okay to offer constructive criticism once it's been prayed over and thought through and isn't just coming off the cuff. But boy, we need to make sure we're, we are careful with our speech. Though what we say leads to the end result is meant to be a blessing. And let her see, notice the word care. The word care. Verse number 17. Look at verse number 17 of the passage. The Bible says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Look here. Then peaceable gentle, and easy to be entreated. Another way of saying that is approachable. Without, uh, let's see here, uh, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. And keep that in context of the chapter. The chapter is talking about the tongue. So our speech should breathe out that we care for people. When... Uh, you're around someone that obviously doesn't like you. How many of you have somebody walking planet Earth that doesn't like you? Would you raise your hand if you have somebody walking planet Earth that doesn't like you? Some of you have fought with your wife or husband on the way in tonight, so you can raise your hand. Amen. Um, I did not fight with my spouse on the way to church tonight. Glory, hallelujah. We rode separately. No, that's not true. We, <laughs> we rode together. Okay. Um, but... Um, uh, when you're around someone that doesn't like you, do they sense that you care for them even though they don't care for you? How is your speech? You know, if you're around someone that doesn't like you, it's still okay to say hello to them. It's still okay to ask them how they're doing. It's still okay to check up on them. And you walk away and think, I don't think that person likes me very much. And you know what you don't do? You don't go to someone and say, I don't think that person likes me very much. 
But what you do is you get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't know what their problem is with me, but help me to continue to have a gracious and kind and caring spirit toward them. Help me to be peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy. And this is the wisdom that God wants us to have, wisdom that's without hypocrisy. And so what's the practicality of the passage? Listen, you're either gonna ha- your tongue's either going to control you or you're going to control your tongue. And um, I'll just finish with this quote. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. When you are in a heated argument, listen, when you're in a heated argument, you will never regret what you don't say. You will never regret what you don't say. Sometimes when um, Angela and I get into a little marital spat, Sometimes it's her, sometimes it's me, but one of us usually pretty quickly shuts our mouth and just walks away. And you know what? That's the quickest way to get a problem to stop. Just be quiet, let the matter settle, and once cooler heads have prevailed, then talk your way through it. Uh, But let's tame the tongue. Let's be in control. Let's stand, and we'll be dismissed, and we'll head right upstairs. And as soon as we get upstairs, shortly thereafter... We'll get going with the Pine Car Derby. There are hamburgers and hot dogs for sale up there, and all the proceeds go towards supporting our Master Club program, as well as really good-looking chocolate chip cookies and brownies. And if someone wants to buy... No, I'm teasing. I was going to say buy the pastor a chocolate chip cookie, but my wife says I don't need any more chocolate chip cookies. Amen? My tongue is already getting me in trouble, and we're not, we haven't even prayed to be dismissed. Brother Lexington, it's great to have you back, my friend. Can you close us in prayer this evening?